In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Today is the 245th anniversary of the independence of our nation. This is, of course, not a church holiday. There is no mention of the United States of America in our scriptures. Our hymnal only has three hymns for national holidays, and one of them ends with the phrase, God save the state, which means we can't sing it because Jesus did not die on the cross for political entities. But we do read in Romans 13 that God has established all earthly authority. That authority exists for two basic purposes. One, for the punishment of wickedness, and two, the maintenance and promotion of civic righteousness. God places the, hand, places the sword in the hand of civil authorities to maintain peace among people living in certain places. What are swords for if they are not to put to death what is evil? This harkens back to the world right after the flood when God said, And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. God exercises the rule of law through earthly governments. In catechism class, you learned this, or will learn it, depending on your station, that this is the first use of the law, that God uses the law, the sword, to curb outward evil in the world. In our text forever, for today, however, our Lord Jesus seeks to establish a rather different kind of authority among men. And in so doing, Jesus comes with a different kingdom that is not of this world. He does not come through a show of force, but he comes with the word of God. It is a rather interesting thing to think about how and what grows the church. If you look at what the big box churches in our landscape are doing, you get the impression that they grow because they have flashy lights, loud guitar solos, and smoke machines uh, give you sort of this rock and roll worship experience to draw you in. The whole church growth movement is built around this idea that simply churches need to figure out what works in their situation, and whenever they do it, and they do it right, and they do it well, the membership will grow. Really, that's nothing more than a sanctified, although thinly sanctified, marketing strategy. More often than not, church growth types seek to make worshipers more comfortable coming to church by meeting whatever felt needs might be out there. Does the community want a ministry for adult singles? Does the community want fun programming for the little kids and families? Behind some of this is also an attempt to shy away from theological topics that are not popular. This is why you see some megachurch pastors today out there changing their message on how the scriptures define what marriage is, for instance. They don't want to feel condemning towards the people that might darken their doors. Consider, though, if you will, 
the tactics of St. Paul. He lays out his entire mission strategy for us in a short and simple statement of purpose. He says, I was determined to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. St. Paul wasn't really interested in modifying the message or engaging a new marketing strategy for Jesus. He came simply preaching Christ and him crucified for sinners. The problem with making anything but the word of God your strategy for reaching others is that it ignores what the Bible actually says about God's word. Satan deludes our fallen minds into thinking that God's word is not powerful enough, that it's just history at best, and that it's completely ineffectual at worst. This plays itself out in our fears of telling others about Jesus. We're afraid that if we don't do it just right, if we don't say the right things, if we don't come across winsomely and very convincingly, then we'll just be rejected and mocked. But notice again why these crowds were gathered around Jesus in the first place in Luke chapter 5. They wanted to hear the word of God. When Jesus sat down in the boat, he continued to teach them the word of God. And when Jesus told Peter to cast his nets into the deep water, Peter does it all at God's word. So what else does the Bible teach us about God's word? Well, when God made the heavens and the earth, how did he do it? It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. God's word is certainly a word of power. God also says of his word through the prophet Isaiah, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In short, God's word does what he sends it to do. This means that when Jesus comes preaching, it has the power to create faith in hearts that hear it and to sustain that faith all the while gathering people into his kingdom. You might say at this point, well, pastor, that's Jesus. He is the greatest preacher of all time. And of course, you're right. But Jesus does not keep this power to himself. On the one hand, he uses it on behalf of others. Notice Peter's reaction to the miraculous catch of fish. As the disciples haul in, the breaking net of fish, Peter came to realize who it was that stood in front of him. He knew that it was God in the flesh that was right there in front of his face and that his own sins meant that he ought not stand in the presence of holy God. But with the words, do not be afraid, Jesus absolves Peter not just of his fear, but also of his sins. 
Now, on the other hand, Jesus also gives the power of his word to others. He says to the men gathered, from now on, you will be catching men. With these words, Jesus calls Peter, James, and John, and probably Andrew was there too, to be his apostles. The ones that he sent out with the authority of his word. Jesus says of these same men in Luke chapter 10, he who hears you hears me. That means that when we hear the preaching of the apostles in the New Testament, we are hearing the living voice of Jesus. This is why we stood today at the reading of the Holy Gospel and we adorned it with singing before and after it was read. Jesus says of the apostles in Matthew, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This means that when we heard this morning, just a few minutes ago, that our sins are forgiven for the sake of Jesus' holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, they truly are forgiven for Jesus' sake. The Holy Spirit has also called the apostolic and pastoral office ambassadors for Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. This means that when pastors preach in accord with God's word, when they baptize, when they administer the sacrament of the altar, as we will see in a few minutes, they do so under the authority of Christ himself. The word does not have power because of the man in the pulpit, but it has authority because of the God-man who sent that man to preach. All this Christ does in order to cast the net of the gospel into the world and bring many into the ark of the holy Christian church. Jesus established the pastoral office so that saving faith in Christ may, by the word and the sacraments, be created and sustained throughout the world all the way up until the end of time. This means, dear saints, that when the disciples hauled in that great catch of fish, you were in that net. You were prefigured by that great catch of fish. Jesus has sent some fisher of men at some point in history to bring Christ's word of power to you, that you too might be saved. And in so doing, Jesus has continued to establish and to expand his heavenly kingdom among the kingdoms of this world. But there is a big difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdoms of this world. Kingdoms, empires, and countries all rise and fall. But Christ's kingdom never shrinks and it will never fail. The church has outlasted the likes of Rome. It has toppled the hostile forces of the Soviet Union. And no matter how things go for our country, for the next five 50, 245 years if the Lord wills it, we can be assured that our King, our Jesus, will never fold or fail to defend you, you who are his subjects, even as he has crowned you with righteousness through the power of his holy word. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.